direction. Uh, it's something we've been talking about, but I want to talk about it from a different perspective. It's difficult for you to read the PowerPoint um, because the projector here has gone purple. The challenge we're facing is that they charge us an average of 25,000 Naira to fix it. And two, three months later, it packs up again. And then they'll charge another 25,000. And we discover that you can buy a new one for between 90 and 120,000. So we're beginning to see that it's not worth uh, fixing. Uh, so we're going to look, as soon as we've recovered from uh, major expenditure at buying a couple of projectors, I think we'll just buy two identical projectors and start from scratch again and then use these ones for other functions. But because we, we, if we, we fixed it before, they took 25,000 from us and I don't intend to give them another one again. Praise the Lord. So we'll just manage it for this morning. We're going to talk more and we're going to probably read that much. Most of them are going to be scripture, but for now, this is an interesting uh, thing. This is a, a research done in the 1990s. Oh, Jesus Christ, I've mixed up the... I'll, I'll, I've mixed up the PowerPoint, but forgive me. I'll explain what it is. There was a research done in the 1990s that discovered that in 1960, Ghana and South Korea were at par. At per capita GMP, they were at par as what the economy was. They were at par at, um, they had a single produce that they were exporting. They were at par at the aids they were receiving from the World Bank. So there was no difference between South Korea and Ghana in 1960, at the time of independence. Ghana was independent in 1958. Nigeria was independent when? Just checking. Because some of you scare me. Some of you really scare me. Civics. We used to do civics in school. You know, unfortunately now I don't even know how many states we have and how many ministers because they change them so many times. Those days used to have the same minister for five years. Today now you have the same minister for three months. So that's not important. Amen. At least we need to know when our country was independent, if it was independent. Uh, <laughs> and so what happens later? 30 years later, South Korea has become an industrial giant and the 14th largest economy in the world multinational corporation, major export of automobiles, electronic equipment, other sophisticated manufacturing and a per capita income approximating that of Greece, a European nation. Moreover, it's on its way to consolidating its democratic institutions. However, it says that 30 years later, no changes, no such changes have happened in Ghana whose per capita GMP is now 115th of South Korea. And so the question they're asking is, how could this extraordinary difference in development be explained? And we all agree that there are many, many factors. But they summarized everything to the bottom line that the bottom line was the culture in that particular, in each of those nations. How many of you remember that South Korea became also a Christian nation in a revival? About the same time Nigeria became a Christian nation. Come and talk to me. By this time in 1960, Nigeria was better off than Ghana and South Africa. Sorry, and South Korea. Now, I'm not talking about Nigeria, we're talking about Ghana so that you won't be offended this morning. Alright? Now, sorry, South Koreans value thrift, investment, hard work, education, organization, discipline, and Ghanaians had a different set of values. In other words, culture matters. Culture is so important. And this is what we've been trying to do, ladies and gentlemen. We've been trying to hope. And what brought this home for me was I went for a meeting where Pastor Tommy was, um, was talking. 
And he brought a, a graph. I've been looking for the graph online. I've not been able to get it. Otherwise, I would have shown it to you. He, he began to grow and he showed four factors that made the country grow. One of them was entrepreneurship, education, policy, and I can't remember what the fourth one was. But in the middle of the graph, he put leadership. But guess what he did? He stuck leadership into culture. And he said, this is the problem we're facing. We are trying to change our leaders without changing the culture that made them. Are you here with me? And this is the same problem we're facing in church. Culture is our belief system. It's our behavior. Culture is our way of life. Do you agree? I'm going to move a little bit faster. Values are, defined, are standards defined by the people to measure goodness, measure. They serve as a broad guideline for social living. Values are broad principles that underline our belief system. Now, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to hope that our leaders will do something different when the culture that made them has made them what they are today. For many years, and most of you have heard me say from this pulpit, worship is not singing slow songs. Have you heard me say that before? Because if worship was singing slow songs, those who worship money will take money and sing before the almighty dollar. Or not the almighty dollar right now, maybe the almighty euro. Because the dollar is really falling, except in Nigeria. Am I making sense? However, the same thing, as I was growing up as a Christian, I began to discover that evangelism was not carrying tracks. I discovered that evangelism was a lifestyle. I convinced people of my faith by the way I lived. And this drew them to God. Jesus said, if I, if I be lifted up, I will do what? I will draw all men to myself. He didn't say, if you be lifted up. He said, if I be lifted up. How do you lift, lift up Jesus in your life? By being humble? By, manif by, by, by manifesting his values? Am I making sense? Then this is the final problem I finally face. This issue of the kingdom is also a lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, the kingdom is God's culture coming to bear upon the earth. Are you here? Some of you are saying, this man don't start again this morning though. Am I right? Some of you are like wondering. Now, watch this. What makes you do what you do? What makes you react the way you react? What makes you behave the way you behave? The, 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 what you do is a sum total of the choices you've made in life. But all your choices come out of your values. Come on, talk to me now. I mean, I, I, I sat in a, in a wedding yesterday. I mean, beautiful. I mean, I'd never seen anything like that. It was beautiful. And I thought to myself on my seat, I said, man, I've got to be rich. Meanwhile, I'm old. You know, so I said, I've got to be And I called Pastor Bang. And I said, Pastor Bang, man, this is wonderful. Though. I've got to have this. I've got to be rich. I've got to do my wedding like that. I mean, excuse me, I said, I'm not married again. So I said, I said Pastor Bang said, Pastor, even if you had the money, you won't spend it like this. Why? Because it comes out of my sense of value. Because I don't believe in spending five million on a wedding and no money on the marriage. Just because you have an elaborate five million naira wedding doesn't guarantee you a day of peace in your marriage. It doesn't guarantee you your future income in marriage. Am I right? So my choice has come out of my value. But my values come out of my belief. 
So if what I believe is wrong, my values will be wrong and therefore my choices will be what? Come on, talk to me now. Am I alone here? Now this is the interesting thing. However, most of us, what we believe has come out of our experiences. And then our experiences were shaped by our knowledge and our knowledge were shaped by environment. You know, one of the things that scares me the most is that our children grow up in a country where signs are not straight. Where exercise book lines are upside down. Where um, gutters are not, there are no gutters for drainage. And then you now expect that child to become a minister of health and understand how to make a difference. Are we here? If I'm going to help people to make better choices, I must help them to develop good values. If I'm going to help them develop good values, I must change their belief system. We are sitting in church right now, and I tell you, there are 40 million other Christians in this country sitting in church this morning. And you know what they are hearing? Promotion doesn't come from the south, it doesn't come from the west, it doesn't come from the east, it comes from God. Pray that God will promote you, but they never tell you, develop yourself so that you may earn a promotion. So 40 million of us come to work on Monday and rather than develop our skills, we pray. Because our belief has affected our values and therefore it has shaped our choices. This is hard. It's hard for me. Very hard for me to preach. But if I don't, my conscience will kill me. I have two messages. That's my wife. I made two messages yesterday. I said, which one should I preach? In my name. But I realized that I cannot talk about this nation if I don't talk about you. And I won't talk about you this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that is where your heart and thoughts will be also. Ladies and gentlemen, you listen to me. You follow your treasure. Your treasure doesn't follow you. Whatever you consider to be valuable is exactly where you go. You know, your heart follows your treasures, not the other way around. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you have no control over the environment. You learn whatever it teaches you. Then you acquire knowledge and then your experience, which determines your belief. We came into church, desperate people came into church. Rather than find solutions, we found ourselves into bondage again. You will say amen. That's okay. Values are the beliefs we choose to guide our life. The key phrase here is choose what is important to me. Every decision you've ever made has been based on your values and your beliefs. Check it out. How many when we were growing up, you meet a, a girl, you are a Yoruba boy, you meet a girl, immediately you meet her, she's an Igbo girl. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Hey, come on, get down, see you. Ah, Igbo, okay. Where did that come from? Thank you. How many of you, if your father and your mother had a terrible marriage and your mother hated men, the person would say, You see, this thing is shaping us. So how does a minister who doesn't value your life, how can a head of state who doesn't have the sense of value make the right choice? He's a good man. Don't misunderstand me. But the culture that has shaped him and what God has called you and I to do was to bring his culture to bear and show that this culture is better than theirs. 
I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking to the wrong people. Am I being? You see, you may say, for instance, I value time with my family. The minute you tell your wife, I'm going to spend the day with you, your friend calls you and says, let's go and play golf. What happens? You see now, now you have to truly weigh whether you really value. You know, I was, I was, when I was studying for this program, this particular guy, Chris Widener, said something interesting. He said there was this overweight guy. He was so overweight, he was embarrassed. The people that they have to carry with cranes up and down the stairs, they couldn't carry themselves. They put him on diet, they did everything, they wanted to get him to feel better. Nothing, he couldn't do anything, he would, he would lose. After two weeks, he would break the diet, he would go back to eating rubbish. Guess what? His daughter was discovered to have a disease, I think it was a kidney or something. And he was the only match. And he was happy to give her his kidney. But when he got to the hospital, he said, you are too fat. We can't take the kidney out of it. We can't do surgery to take it out because you are too fat. This is a man who's been trying to diet for 20 years. Because he had a sense of value of his daughter's life, he cut down his weight in two weeks. Because value has a way of making you do things you don't want to do. So once your belief is wrong, your value is wrong. If you are not clear about what is important to us, we have difficulty in making important decisions. You see, I want to skip a lot of this ground because I want to talk. Uh, uh, and let me skip a lot of these things. Uh, I want to just talk about one or two things. Ladies and gentlemen, I got, an, I got a, a message from... I forgot his name. His name just left my head. He runs this church in Bodija. He used to be sorry, in UI. He used to young, up-and-coming pastor like this. I've forgotten his name. Very good friends with Victor Adeyemi. That's, that's what. Family do really thank you. See, I'm not preaching from my head. That's why I don't remember. Okay? He, he, he sent me a mail on my birthday and he, he took time. And he sat down there and said, Ever since I met you 15 years ago, I've watched you and I've seen that the things you value are different. And that's why when you do your ministry, you do them differently and you don't follow what everybody else. And I thought to myself, How come this girl has been watching me for 15? He said, The worst thing you can be in life is not to be true to yourself. To wear designer clothes because your friends are wearing it. To use, have an elaborate wedding because your friend had an elaborate wedding. I met this lady in a, in a pharmacy in Lagos. She said, listen, she was telling us my wife, my wife was ill that day. We were fixing her up. And she said, she said, listen, I have a problem. I'm living in Bagada. My friends, my friends, my husband's colleagues are all living in VI or in whatever because they pay them fantastic salaries. He said, but my husband and I chose to live in Bagada so we can build our house in Bagada. He says, right now, we are the least spoken about in the office because we live in Bagada. And guess what? Some of them were retrenched. Because what they wanted to do was, you know, I was thinking about it this morning and I was saying, God, you know, why am I the way I am like this? Because at the end of the day, this is what I am comfortable with. This is who I am. I don't want to be anybody else but myself. I don't want, I don't need you to affirm me. 
I don't know if you get the point I'm making. I don't need your accolades. I don't need you to tell me what you think of me. I have to know who I am. What you think of me and what you declare simply confirms to me that I'm communicating. I don't know if I'm making any sense this morning, but you see, my, my challenge with us is that everything you and I know has come from our parents. They echo their values and reject us when we don't. So you tell your mom you don't want a big wedding and she's angry with you as if you're not saving her money. What are your own values? And you go to school and your teachers, my, my, my brother, Jesus Christ, this guy was drawing like Edward. He draws and draws. My son, Edward, draw, he, he draws. We have more litter in our house on drawings. And the guy draws well. Not as if he draws rubbish. Action figures. He draws and draws. When my brother was his age, he was drawing. My father took the drawing part and said, artists never succeed. My father was in the medical profession. They made the boy do science. He failed. He had to do school set again and then this time he did art and he cleared everything. He became a lawyer because that was the closest thing to art he could get to. It was my father's values. And he struggled for years. Am I making sense? Fortunately for me, my father died before my own time so I was okay. That's a joke. But get the point I'm trying to make. People, other people are trying to impose their sense of value on you and you are lost our peers, our bosses, the society and now the church if you cannot pray for two hours and sweat you are not a prayer warrior who told you? who told you? if you cannot do all night once a week, you are not a prayer warrior who told them? have you seen them? have you seen them? come, 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 come have you seen them? stand there, you are God Praise and worship leader or prayer warrior. I want all of you to stand up. Lift up your hand to the Lord. Tell the Lord that you love him. Tell him how powerful he is. He's not praying, no, he's conducting. <laughs> he's not praying. He's, thank you, God. <laughs> he's not praying. He's conducting a service. He's deceiving you. The one that shouts the loudest hallelujah. God will visit you this afternoon. You will alone. You will look script. So they're imposing our values. And when we don't do what they do or the way they do it, they judge us. Why do I have to do it the way you do it? Why can't I do it my own way? Why can't God speak to me and teach me? Ladies and gentlemen, God lays his hands on all of us. Am I right? However, he doesn't lay the same finger. So in other words, his fingerprint on me is different from that of Pastor Sammy. Both of us don't even try to be alike. Our styles are poles apart. The important thing is that are we communicating? And you guess what is happening now? That's Jesus calling somebody on the pulpit. This is the problem now. Television and movies have become the number one mind molders of the world today. Do, I, do you agree? Am I right? 
Some of you, the dress you are wearing, television, lo tiri. Boshe Wafila. You watch now. I hear men in America are cutting their hair like Obama's hair. Then the people are sending me texts. Uh, may, may the anointing that lifted Obama lift you. Which anointing? The man worked hard. Anointing that lifted Obama. We're always looking for shortcut. The anointing that lifted Obama when he was struggling five years ago, driving himself to meetings, when he was struggling to bring his message out, when he's memorizing his speeches, when he's planning problems and motivating people to work in the local government, there was no anointing. No. Now that he has become president, the anointing that lifted Obama, may it lift you. You know, I, I preached it on Wednesday and Glory sent me a text the very next day to make fun of me. I said, may the anointing that is upon Obama lift you up on your birthday. So I sent her a reply that may the anointing of Michelle Obama <laughs> make you a first lady. <laughs> what is good for the goose? Perfect for the Ganda. No shortcut. There is no shortcut. Our God is the God of process. We are not going to change until our values change. Look, my greatest challenge are our children. Is it because they don't listen? How many of you learned how to behave, talk, act by going to school? Where we make our fundamental mistake. We don't learn by going to school. We learn by examples. We learn by what we see at home. We learn by how our parents behave. We learn by the value system our parents carry around us. When we get to school, our education reinforces it or confuses the child. I was in Rema many years ago when one young boy was taught in school, like you're not supposed to taught in church. You're not supposed to tell lies. Five or six year old. He gets home that night and a visitor comes to see his dad. And then his dad says, tell the visitor that I'm not at home. So the boy walks up to the gate, walks up to the man, was about to tell the man, daddy is not at home. He turned around and went to the father and said, daddy, they told us in church this morning, we're not supposed to tell lies. This is a born again Christian telling his five year old to lie. confuse any five-year-old. I don't know. You see, I'm not sure if I want to go in this direction because that's, that's really not what's on my heart. What's on my heart today is to challenge you. Pastor Laddie Thompson was here over the weekend. And I, and I was trying, I was, I was talking to my wife. I was actually talking to him. I know that they had tried to raise some funds to pay for my car and all that. And we had a shortfall. And I didn't want to put Pastor Bang in the spot. So I said, look, tell me what the shortfall is. You know what I mean? I called my wife and I will sort it out. And I think I'm going to digress from here on. Uh, so I was calling. So Pastor Gary looked at me and said, Pastor Francis, I'm disappointed. I said, why? He says, you don't know the value we carry you. How can you be struggling with one million naira? Something is wrong. Uh, he said, you know, Pastor, if I had it my way, I would take that car away and bring you a brand new one. I'm going to go back to my church. I'm going to see what we can do for you. 
says, but if your people don't value you, you know what I mean? We want you to know that I value you. That's what he said to me. Not only that, he said, Pastor Francis, you become a coward. You are not like this. And I remember my times in embassy. I would get up and say, we're going to buy a 40 million naira property with nobody having any money in the congregation. And we would do it. But since I came here, I would look at the bank account before I do any project. Because something has changed. Fear has come in. Where I used to dare God, I have become more timid. I want to do a project. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work it out. How do we pay for this? What happens? What's the steps? And yet, those days, I will step out like this. Whatever I meet, I meet. And he has never failed me once. And since I started my ministry, I have suddenly become very cautious. I've even come off the air. I don't talk as loud about issues that I used to talk about. People don't hear my voice anymore because all of a sudden I'm becoming conscious. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to behave myself. I don't come here and raise unnecessary funds from you. I, I'm careful. I'm cautious. Now, don't misunderstand me. This is not your fault. This is my fault. But you know what? A few hours after, the next day after he came, one of my pastor friends from, from Oyo came. Hey, pastor, I've left Oyo. I'm going to Lagos or Ibadan. I'm not sure yet. And I sat him down and I said, my friend, you are afraid. You were not supposed to go to Oyo in the first place. The reason why you chose Oyo was because it was cheaper. Yet you are an intellectual. Your message is for educated people. You went to one village in Oyo and you have suffered sins. Rather than admit that you didn't obey God. You're always talking about what you don't have. Yet this was a guy who built two winners churches. Eight million naira each. But he's afraid to step out. And guess what is happening to all of us sitting here. Come on, I'm talking to you now this morning. Because I'm talking about myself right now. We have suddenly become afraid of this God that we claim to believe. We've suddenly become afraid of the word, whether it will fail or it will fail. So we have backups for God. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here to be witnesses, not to witness. I was brought up thinking that I had to go around. Jesus Christ is Lord. Give your life to him. I witnessed to you. So mark my calendar. I've witnessed to three people this week. There are three, three crowns waiting for me in heaven. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, my life. The things I do. The things I give myself to. The challenges I bring. The impact I make was supposed to be a witness to people that this God is real. You see, I wish I could talk about all these things. I, I, I want to, but <laughs> this country is not going to change until we bring our value systems to bear. Like I was telling you, you don't learn by going to school. And the problem with the church is that we're trying to change the world through preaching and teaching. Now, the world does not come for our services. So how are we going to change them through preaching and teaching? No, we're going to change the world by demonstrating outside. 
don't know if you get my point at all. The principles of God that are working with us and around us, that I can make money without cheating, that I can be a millionaire without stealing, that I can succeed in the things that I do and excel without doing anything wrong, then people will come and say, how did you do it? Because we are paying a terrible price as a nation right now. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Let me me touch on this for a few minutes and I'll come to Ephesians in a minute. Let me touch on this. Ladies and gentlemen, let me me do this and I'll come back to this. We're going to close on Ephesians 6. How do you explain this thing? You know when you have something in your head and you can't put it in English or Yoruba, it's difficult. In life, there are two values. The means and the ends. In other words, methods. Let me see if I can explain it. This is what God says. God says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Now, the end of the commandment. Ladies and gentlemen, he's saying that the purpose of God's commandment the reason why God gave us a commandment, and most of you will discover this, if you ever check the Ten Commandments, the first five are towards God, the second five are towards your fellow man. Go and check it out. Go and check it out. The entire, go and check it out. The first five commandments, you shall have no other God beside me. Go and check it out. The first five are towards God. The other five, you will not steal your neighbor's wife. You will not do something. Everything else is either for God or for your neighbor. The end, the purpose of God's commandment is not to gather us in church. It's to have love. God wants us to live a life of love. Listen, I was reading something and I'm going to share that with you maybe one other Sunday. There will never be a Christian society. Because one of the tenets of Christianity is freedom of speech. And choice. We, we, we're hoping to get a utopia society where everybody will be Christians. I guarantee you, as long as we live on this earth, it's not possible. Because even among the Christians, we can't even have one Christian faith. Do, do you get my point? We have this notion that everybody's going to become a Christian and believe like you. is a lie. One of the tenets of Christianity is that you must learn to live with those who don't believe like you. And live in what? In love. Is this too much? The end of the commandment. The purpose of the commandment. It says, on, and this is what it said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. The Bible, when the Bible says, on these two commandments hang, the law is the entire Bible and the prophets. And God is saying that on this too, you can hang your Bible on. Once you remove this commandment, the entire Bible falls to the ground. Love God, love your neighbor. And yet, how many times is contained in our, pra- in our prayer point that God should destroy our enemies? The truth about it is that what we are truly praying is not God destroy our enemies. We are truly saying is God destroy those who don't believe like me. 
or anybody else who is benefiting from where I should be benefiting from. Oh, you're quiet. And this is what I like. In Christianity, we have focused on methodology. Some of you, the way you came to church this morning, you came by Okada, am I right? Some of you came by taxi, am I right? Okay, they can add bus. Some of you came by your private car. Among those private cars, there was Jeep, there was Push Sokinson, there was all sorts of vehicles. But the method by which you came here is not, some of you even flew, but the method by which you came here is not as important as the reason why you came here. So somebody says, let us have service on Saturday because we believe in seven-day Adventists. We're angry. And the Muslims believe that they should pray on Friday and have it as their holy day. Wonderful. The Christians believe it should be Sunday. The Jews believe it should be Saturday. Am I right? So thank God. If the three of them had closed at the same time, nobody would walk in the country. So the Muslims go off on Friday, the Jews go off on Saturday, and the Christians go off on Sunday. The economy keeps. So God is wise. But because you don't do what I do, you have become my enemy. That's method. I'm going to annoy you. Let me annoy you a little bit because I can go. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. Efficient, sorry, Exodus chapter 19 verse 4. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to the land. No. And I brought you to prosperity? No. I brought you to breakthrough? No. I brought you to who? The ultimate purpose of our salvation was God. He wanted his people to come back to him, come to prosperity. Not to come to breakthrough. He didn't save us to become rich. You know why? He wanted us to come back. If we come back, he will take care of us. This is what Jesus said. I don't know. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, this is what I like about what, 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 what God does. You see, this is what somebody said. He said, this is the problem with God. Sin and Satan may delay God's purposes, but he will never cancel them. He will wait for another generation. That's what he did to Israel. A whole 40 years he waited. You don't want to do my will? I'll wait. You know, I was telling them the other day, I was trying to explain to my, 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 my guys I said I was praying one day and asking God he says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power that scripture is confusing for some people but for me it's taken me years to understand it in other words God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost but God also anointed Jesus with power am I making sense so I was talking to God I said Lord you know I know this Holy Ghost part well but this power part Lord I, I've never really seen the fullness of it he said well oh boy you're not living a holy life oh. you will kill yourself some of you can't get that some, I'm sorry it's because you don't like people telling you the truth he says if I release the kind of power you're asking me for you will kill yourself you see this is the problem with God the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance he doesn't change his mind so because he cannot remove his anointing from my life he will remove me He will allow me to die. So that I will not bring disgrace. 
You get my point? His gifts and his calling. So his purpose is like that. If he has made up his mind, he's going to do this. He will do it. He will wait. 100 years, 200 years, he will wait. But that thing, oh, he will do. He just waits for the generation that will do it. And so what is happening is that we are excited about breakthrough. We are excited about everything. But we are not excited about coming to God. I want to skip all this type of thing. I want you to notice the same thing happened to them. You remember, remember what happened? Um, when, um, when, when the uh, 70 came back and they were saying, Oh, uh, praise the Lord. Uh, God, we went and we were casting out demons. And then Jesus said, my friend, that is just methodology. Don't rejoice at the fact that you were casting out devils. But rejoice in the fact that your name... Do you, do you see what God values? Are you here? What do we value? You know, I was telling somebody the other day that, uh, Pastor Ben, you come, let me use you as an assertion. This is the car of the new Jeep coming from Lagos. So I won't give you this one. This is the key to the new Jeep. You can't, you can't have this many keys. Usually one key. So I give him this key and I bless him. I said, I bless you, my son. I've given you this gift. You know, it's a gift, Abby. And then three days later, Genga comes to meet me, runs back to me and says, Ah! Pastor! Come and see this miracle that has happened in my life. Ah, look at this Jeep that I have. Ah, I'll be looking at him and say, Am I more now? <laughs> so when men of God stand up and say, See how many people are healed, how many people are delivered, God says, No, I deliver them through you. Thank you, Benga. What are you rejoicing in? You think I'm impressed by the miracles you perform in my name? No, I am impressed by your character that you stayed humble after the miracles. That you stayed focused after you did what I anointed you to do. But I am not impressed by you using my power and telling me that you are a great man of God. He appeared before Jesus and he said to Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Go and check scripture. He had not performed one miracle. Who do we rate men of God are? The more miracles you do in his name makes you a man of God. Mm -hmm. He does the miracles. You are just a Chanel. There's a song and one day I'll play it for you. This lady, I forgot her name. She says, I'm not afraid of your Jesus. I'm not afraid of your Mohammed. I am not afraid of your Buddha. But I am afraid of what you do in his name. Sometimes I think we need to look at that. I'm going somewhere. We need to distinguish between our Christian work, what are goals and what are ends and what are means. I don't want to spend too much time about Every country has a goal, have a, has a purpose. God, God has, has scattered us around like that. We need to know what is valuable to God. You know, and I began to list some things. You know, and I can be very controversial sometimes, but please forgive me. Can I ask you some stupid questions? Um, let me skip this one because it's a little Is marrying an end? There are two ends in the Bible that never change. Fellowship and worship. Every other thing is a means. Coming to church on Sunday, reading your Bible, praying. If you like, pray five times a day. If you like, pray 20 times a day. If you like, pray 25 times a day. They are all what? They score you no points in heaven. You know, it's very interesting that God actually says, your holiness does nothing for me. It does something for your fellow man. He says, all your righteousness is like what? 
I need to move on. I need to move on. Well, I think we can go to. I think we can go to. Um, when I was in, 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 in embassy many years ago, I just took over from Pastor Nero. Early years, I had this pastor from Shagamu come in. Wise guy. Probably won't remember me today. Very wise guy. Sat in my office. And you know, when you're a new pastor like that, you like to show everybody what you've achieved. Nothing. So he said to me, why, why are you serving here? Why are you doing all what you're doing for this church? I said, ah, I love the people. I love the church. He laughed. He said to me, Francis, <laughs> they will step on your toes one day. Says they will hurt you. They might even throw you out. He said, remember what Jesus said to Peter? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my lamb. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Tend my sheep. He says, the reason why you do anything in church is because you love God, not because you love the people. So the people will disappoint you one day. He was shifting my values. Because most of us do what, that's why many years later or months later, you will say, after all I have done for them, this is how they reward. That means you are expecting your reward from them and not from God. I get text messages from people, I get emails from people who have ministered to 10 years ago. It's 10 years later, they pick up a barrel and say, thank you for blessing me. If I had been angry with them in between those 10 years, they would never have said thank you. Because you don't tell people when to say thank you. They say thank you when they are ready. Or when they even think you are worth it. I don't know if I'm making any sense. Because I want to close. I want to close. And and the same thing in families. If you don't have any sense of values in your family, you will fight over stupid things. What are the important things in your family? Christmas gift? Eh? You didn't come for my wedding? Can I tell you something? None of my family came for my wedding. Except my mother. My friend. Are you sure you were there? You were not there. You were in America. Are you sure? I have to go and check the video. My two, my two brothers and my sister, they didn't show up. She bought the ring, but she didn't show up. Naming ceremony of my two children, they didn't show up. What has that got to do with anything? My children are still normal. My marriage is still intact. As matter if they had shown up, maybe they would have even caused trouble. How can that be a more valuable thing? than knowing that if I need them, they're there for me. Oh, we're from wedding. Some of you come and say, Pastor, you didn't come for my program. Did you come for my wedding? I, I, I want to skip all this. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. This is where I want to go.
Are you here? Huh? Ah, it's already 11.30. I'm finishing on time today. Miracles happen. Huh? I'm not, I can't follow it. It's too much. It's too, I write too much. It's too much stuff. It takes, sometimes it takes me days to write this PowerPoint. But I can't share everything. But where I want to go this morning, there's two things I want us to pray about. The first one is boldness. Ladies and gentlemen, we carry the best asset in the world. We have the greatest values in the world. We have values that can change our nation. We have values that can change our families. We have values that can turn this nation upside down. We are anointed, but we are afraid. We have no confidence in this thing that God has given us. And look at what Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 6. I think it's verse 20. Let's start from verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And then he stops and he says and for me. In other words, pray always for me. Let me stop and say this. Let me tell you something. There are some prayer points you keep praying. There are some prayer points you pray once. You have to learn to know the difference. Some of us, the things we're supposed to be constantly praying, we don't pray them. The things we're supposed to be praying once, we keep constantly praying them. That is the problem. There is a prayer of faith. When you want to believe God for a car, when you want to believe God for a house, or you want to believe God to do something in your life, there comes a time in your heart that you know this prayer is taken care of. Now, I will just confess what I believe. Am I making sense? There are other prayer points like this one that are constantly prayed. Because listen what he said. Praying always with all supplication for all sins, and then praying always for me that utterance may be given unto me in the opening of my mouth to preach the gospel that I may speak it boldly as I ought to speak. I'm asking you this morning to ask God to give you the boldness to do what you are supposed to do the way you are supposed to do it. I've made up my mind that I'm not going to settle for less anymore. I'm going to shout these truths on the rooftop. I'm going back on radio. I don't know how, but I will go back on radio. Because if we don't tell the truth, we're going to be responsible for souls that are lost. I was with Pastor Shaw. He told me of a Christian printing press. Where as soon as you arrive, Pastor Dr. Dr. Dubala, as soon as you arrive, the first thing they will ask you for is kickback. I'm talking on the sign of the Christmas press is church logo. Once you come in, you submit your job, you pay for it. There's a price list, official price list. You pay. When you come in and you submit your work, nothing will happen. Until you go and see your guy. I was buying air conditioners for Jesus Embassy. Mr. Depak is of LG over there. Now, this is not a lie. This is a true story. Walks to my office, gives me the quotation for the air conditioners. Then he says, Pastor, I don't want to embarrass you, 
But please, pastor, I've been embarrassed too many times by pastors. How much do you want is your own in this air conditioners? So that I can add it to your invoice now. Because pastor, after that, if you come and ask me for anything, I will not answer you. I said, did you hear what I said? I am buying air conditioners for my church. I want you to bring down the price, not raise it up. He said, pastor, do you know how many pastors I have dealt with in this city? Every time I go to meet him today, after giving me official price list, he gives me discount. When I'm leaving, he will say, pray for me. He supplied all the air conditioners. He said, because he was tired. I know committees of building committees of churches that collect kickback from contractors. me ladies and gentlemen this double-sided christianity we've been living has to stop don't come and be an usher here like jide nice to everybody he's married now so leave him alone i met his wife last sunday so leave him alone he's now officially taken is that okay well you can still try sha the bank manager you get to his church you get to your church a bank manager is standing there please sit down humility Sit down, my sister. You want anything? Are you all right? Go to his office the next morning. If you will see him, you will fill 25 forms. And when you come, what do you want? What do you want? That one not church. This one not business. What do you want? We are double-minded people. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all. That's why I'm asking God to let us make up our mind this morning to choose. That's what this guy said. As for me and my house. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the truth that will deliver this nation. But it has to work first for us. You cannot call somebody from outside and say, come and believe this God. When he's not showing in your life. You can't come in and say, come and trust this God when you are a failure. You have presidents of fellowships in school failing their exams and repeating and still remaining president. Sorry, if you are here, I'm sorry. The minute you fail, you resign. And you spend that year repenting for disgracing Jesus that he couldn't help you to pass your exams. I don't know if I'm making sense, but you do get my point. What is our value system? The second thing, I've shared that with you since the beginning of this year. I that I'm standing here. I have not believed the impact of praying for favor. I have seen favor embarrass me. I have been struggling with a bank for six months. Six months. Trying to get a loan to build my house. They would deceive me. At one particular stage, they told me to come and collect the money in my car as a car loan. I used it to build my house. And I said, listen, even if everybody else gets with it, I can't. It's against everything I've stood for or preached. I said, okay, if I don't want it, I should go. They were ready to give me invoice. Bank. In, if I tell you the bank, you will know. 
So I'm not going to tell you. They, they were ready to give me invoice and insurance for a car that does not exist. They only warned me, said, Pastor, if you default, our people will come and collect the car that does not exist, so you're in trouble. You bad not here. I'm scared. And guess how much interest rate they are charging? 25, 25. Does anybody here make 25% profit in this country with petrol and diesel? Anybody, any business, if you are making it, you are a thief. You are cheating somebody. They won't give me. So I'm casually talking to a man about something completely different. And he sees my proposal on the, on the table. And he said, uh, what, are they, what are they offering you? 25%? Ah, I said, come and see me. Come and see me. You know how you think of people are joking? You get to his house. And he issues you a check. And he says, whatever the bank is charging you, divide the interest rate by three, three times. Go and build your house. One of you are still speechless. So I calculated on my computer the interest rate at 10%. Gave it to him, said, This is what I'll be paying every month. He smiled and took out the check. He said, Pastor, I was just testing you. Take it interest free. That's one of my goals for 2009 that my family will move to our own house this year. I was looking for an interest of 24%. Somebody gives me a loan, interest free. That's favor. I can't, if I tell you some of the other ones, in this month alone, I told you about Pastor Ladi. And you know what is even more interesting to me? Pastor Sami, this favor I have received has not come just within this community. It has come from people that I have seen them for a long time. We have a power that the world doesn't have. But it will only operate in righteousness. I did a business plan. I wrote my interest out. I did everything. I prepared my post-dated checks. I sorted everything out. The way I will handle a bank, I signed an undertaking. When I was buying the car, the same thing. I wrote a letter. This is what I am going to do. I'm going to hold myself accountable because the God demands from me a level of integrity. And every time I do it, I've met the hand of favor coming to meet me and he says, forget about interest. Use the interest to pay me off quicker. So pay what you want to pay, but it's free. Boldness and favor will take us to a place we have never been before. This fear that has, listen to me, you know what they tell me, scientists tell me this, I don't know whether it's true, and I don't want to find out. 
that when a lion is coming after you, the first thing he does is he growls. He growls at you. The, the growling paralyzes you so you cannot run. And so you become... Ladies and gentlemen, that's what the devil does. He uses fear to paralyze us. Because he's as a roaring lion. You can't make it. Nobody will help you build it. You can't succeed. You can't get that low. You can't do this. And you too, you believe it. And you're still, you don't do anything. You see, the funny thing is that boldness works two, two ways. There's a boldness that causes you to number one, but there's another boldness that causes you to go into the throne of grace. And the Bible says, to obtain mercy and to find grace. Or let me put it another way. And to find favor. Hebrews. I've come here this morning to dare you. I have come here this morning to dare you. But I have chosen to base it on what you believe is God's value. We asked you this year, set goals. I'm not a fool. I carry my goals around with me everywhere I go. They're all written there. Now I can go to my house, Pastor Bang, and tick it and say, done. In January. You don't hear me now? How many of you wrote it down? There are other ones there, but... The one that I thought would be the biggest is the first one that is being taken care of now. All I'm doing now is supervising. Have they brought the blocks? Have they brought the sand? Have they brought this? Have they brought that? Am I making sense? I still have a responsibility to pay back. Don't misunderstand me. That is a responsibility. And no matter what it takes, I will not fail one month to pay what I'm supposed to pay. But that is integrity. That's a value. And if I can't pay, I will go to him in advance and say, I'm having problems, so these are my plans. It will be two weeks late or one week late. Am I making sense? That's integrity. It's a value. Some of you, they will never borrow your money because the 500 naira they borrowed you last time, you even forgot that you borrowed it. You know people like that. Am I right? You know people like that, don't you? Don't you know people like that? They will borrow and borrow and forget that they, they, they won't come back again. You will not say, ah, what about that 2,000 naira I borrow? Hey, well, you know, pastor, I forgot. Have you noticed it's the person that you borrowed the money to that you always forget, not the person that borrowed you? Yeah, you don't forget if I borrow you money. As a matter of fact, when you're coming, all I see is the money. Is it 5,000 naira on your head? But the Bible says if you see a man who is faithful in little. I want to dare you this morning. To pray for boldness to step out of your comfort zone. When I'm going to ask you to pray again this morning for favor. Favor with God. That's number one. Number two, favor with men. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. 
you ask that you may satisfy your fleshly loss but this is God's divine heart for us I want you to wake up from your comfort zone I am not sitting there quietly anymore I'm going back to my ambitious programs you know the funny thing is that some of my ambitious programs they fail but guess what people only remember the ones that I succeeded in so how many of you can remember all the bad things I, all the projects that I announced that I didn't do the ones you remember are the ones I did. Am I right? The ones I didn't do, well, who told you I haven't done them? I'm still going to do them. Can I dare you this morning to come out of your comfort zone? Some of you need things right now. You are afraid to ask for those things. You need resources put in your business. You need, you need some crazy moves. Some of you need to get married. Some of you need to have children. Some of you need to do some crazy things. Whatever it is, can you be bold this morning to put it before God and tell him, I will do whatever it takes. Let's rise up. Have I made sense to you this morning? Are you here? Now please, there's one thing that Christians do. They do what is called general prayer. The problem with general prayer is that you get general results. You need to be specific this morning. You need to zero in on one thing. And ask God for boldness this morning. Paul says that I may speak boldly. As a, there's another cross reference. I think it's in, is it in Philippians? Colossians 4.2 I know you are standing. I have been standing since. So welcome. Colossians 4.2 Come on. Look at it quickly. Quickly. Just carry your Bible up like this. Me, I'm carrying my own. Have we spot you in this church? PowerPoint, tables. Now you can't stand. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you there? Colossians 4.2 Are you there? I want you to notice something. It says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God will open unto us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to. Now, this is the point I want to bring out of that particular scripture. This is where I want to go with it. I want you to notice, for Paul to speak and to speak boldly, a door had to be opened. Am I making sense? For you to do what you want to do, a door needs to be opened. I don't know if you get my point. A door needs to, a door. What does a door mean? Opportunity. Ladies and gentlemen, success is opportunity meeting preparation. We will do all in our power to prepare. In other words, if I didn't have a, listen to me, listen to me very well. Oh. If I didn't have a building plan, if I didn't have a QS, if I had not bought the land, I don't know if you got the point I'm making. If I had not done everything I was supposed to do, that opportunity would never have awakened because I would not have been able to give him a budget. Yes. Are you getting my point this morning? Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Are you people here at all? 
easy because sometimes these, these things are not as complicated as we make them. Somebody here wants to buy a car. He doesn't even have a driver's license. He has not gone to Okiado to find out how much they are selling cars. So even if an angel appeared with a flaming sword and a bag of gold, they wouldn't know how much to give you. Because you are not ready. You want to get married. You've never read one book about marriage. You want to kill the man? Okay, the woman. You want to have children. You don't even know how children are made. I'm talking about in the biological sense, not having sex. You are not prepared for where you want to go. Ladies and gentlemen, this was a business principle they taught us years ago. Don't dress for where you are. Dress for where you want to go. You want to be MD of your company? Dress like an MD. Don't wait until you become an MD. They start dressing like an MD. We're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. Has Obama's dressing changed? Has his dressing changed? He was always wearing a nice suit and a nice tie and walking presidential before he became president. You think they can train him to become like that now? No, you have to have it before you see it. You want to get married? Walk out. What does it take to get married? Do the budget for the wedding. Do the budget for the living. Start to plan the house. Start to describe the husband you want. Plan the children you want. Start to act like somebody who is married for crying out loud. And stop waiting for the ceremony to make you married. You get married in here first, in your heart and in your mind before you get married physically. The same way, whatever you believe God for, you have to begin to see it in your heart. That house, I can tell you what it looks like. I designed it myself. I am already walking inside before I got the first check. And there are many more like that because right now I'm thinking of becoming president. Obama has inspired me. So I'm now beginning to imagine what Asso Rock looks like. But the problem is that I will resign it when I get there. It will look African, not Oyiboish. Are you getting my point? That's how my imagination works. I finish everything in my head before I start. And that's the same way your father is. The Bible says he calls those things that be not as though they are. He sees the end before he sees the beginning. Are you prepared? Ask him to open that door of opportunity for you to step into that place. Then ask him for boldness this morning to be able to grab that opportunity with both hands. Boldness to be able to take it. Boldness to be able to act the way you're supposed to act. Boldness to be able to step out of your comfort zone to do the things God has called you. Ask him for those opportunities to the ones you've lost. The opportunities you've lost. God says he's a reward. He's a restorer. He will bring them back. He will bring them back. Those opportunities you didn't take advantage of. God is going to bring them back. He's going to bring them back into your life. Opportunities for promotion. Opportunities to leave the country. Opportunities to build your house. Opportunities to get married. Opportunities to have children. Opportunities to have a breakthrough. Opportunities to be blessed. This is the God that opens a door that no man can shut. This is a God that shuts a door that no man can open. Lord, I make up my mind this morning. Open the door. Open the door. 
Grant me boldness. I'm serious this morning. You need to be serious. And tell him as you live here, you begin to prepare for where you are going. You want a house? Design the house. You want a house? Find the land. You want a car? Go and check the price. You have a car? Go and get your license. You want a child? Begin to buy children's books. You want something? Wake up and tell God you are ready for it. But thank God. He says, come on to the throne of grace. Come boldly. To obtain mercy. Mercy means for all my mistakes. God forgive me. But grace is favor with God. And favor with man. Father I need your favor. I need your favor. I need your favor. I need your favor. To take me over. I need your favor. To surround me. I need your favor. To take over the environment around me. That men and women will be forced to cooperate with me. Men and women will fall backwards to see your will in my life done. Men and women will be favor that will cause men to cooperate with me. Favor that will cause men to help me. Oh Jesus. Oh Favor, favor with God, favor with men, favor. Oh, what was the song we sang in first service? The very first song. You know, we're going to sing it, but let me say this to you. Can I be as blunt as I can? If you want God to do something in your life that he has never done before, you need to do something you have never done before. We've got to understand that our God, he responds to being provoked. The Bible says his eyes are running to and fro the whole earth looking for somebody that he can show himself strong on their behalf. He's looking for somebody who will dare him. Somebody who is bold enough to say, my father will do this. I believe him. You know the beauty thing is that those three boys, they said, well, even if he doesn't, Even if he doesn't, we still know he's God. I'm asking you, get out of your comfort zone. It's time to break beyond your boundaries. God wants to enlarge our coast. He wants to do things he has never done in our midst before. Some of us cannot... I was talking to Mrs. Badaki earlier on. They were, she was telling me about the woman they were asking. They said, they said, how do you keep your account? She said, ah, she has two boxes. One is for income, one is for expenditure. See, the problem with that is that that business can never grow. 
because the structure for growth is not there. And it's almost the same way for you and I. If you want God to enlarge your business, you need to enlarge this part of your mind for the kind of business you're going for. And that's what Pastor was, was, he was sitting in my office and I heard him make a three million naira deal on the telephone. He had produced a tape, a videotape. They were trying to buy it from him from Alaba. He was saying five million, they were saying three million. And then I said, okay, tell them to put the three million in my account, in my name, and send me the check. I can't collect the DVD. Some of you have videos you have produced. Nobody's even offering you 29. Because you have not upped your game. And God is saying, you upped your game. And I will open doors you have never seen open before. Men and women will work for you. They will go out of their way to make sure that you succeed. They, it will be their job. It will be like say something came over them. Because they will come for you. They will say, this woman, I don't know why, but something, they will say something. Something is making me want to help you. I don't do this for anybody else, but you, I will do it for. Why? Because the favor of God. Oh, Jesus. We are ready for you, Lord, this year. While others will cry recession, we will cry expansion. While others will complain about the economy, we will rejoice at the Goshen life that we are living. My Father, my God, we bless you because you are the God of favor. We receive your favor from heaven this morning. We receive doors of opportunity that will be open to us as individuals and as a church. We receive boldness to step out of our comfort zone to do something we have never done before. We stand up for you, oh God, because we know your eyes are running to and fro, waiting for us to stand. And so this morning, Father, we stand. My God, we stand. Look, there's some things I don't like doing in service. There's some things that I don't like doing in service, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm telling you that as I speak, somebody here, by the time you put on your phone this afternoon, there will be a message waiting for you. Because even before service started, the hand of God began to move. And I'm telling you, some of you, as you leave this service, there goes doors of negotiations that had shut down will be reopened today. 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 Not tomorrow. I'm talking about tomorrow. Can I beg you? You see, this is one I don't like. This One thing I, I'm not happy with this church is when we talk like this, we talk in faith. And sometimes we talk in terribly blind faith. The only way you can help us is to share your testimony. Because sometimes you just talk and you say, God, did you do it or didn't you do it? But I'm telling you, some of you, you will switch on your phone by the end of this service and something will be waiting for you letting you know that the words that I've spoken today are true and some of you before the end of today a, an old deal that you were negotiating that fell apart will be resuscitated just as a confirmation because this God is awesome and what he's about to do in our lives not for us he's going to demand for us to do it for somebody else I guarantee you that. As somebody has given me an interest-free loan, I made an obligation in my letter that I will give somebody else an interest-free loan to build their house. 
If it's not, at least one person will get an interest rate loan from me. That's how it's supposed to be. You are blessed, you bless others. That's all God is after. And if we do that, it will touch the whole world. I bless you this morning. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I bless you with the blessings of heaven. I bless you with the blessings of the earth. And I bless you with the resources under the earth. Let them be yours. Let them be yours. Walk in the favor of God. Walk in the glory of the Lord. And walk in boldness from today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah.